whenever you cried out, guess who was there? Nobody may have been on the other line, but there was a phone in heaven that was answered every call. Amen. Praise the Lord, our God, our friend, our Father. You know, I was doing some research this morning on Mother's Day. Did you know that Mother's Day um, is the third most uh, heavily populated church attendance day, if I could word it that way? Mother's Day is the third highest church attendance. You know why? Because most mothers probably threatened y'all and myself, right? You better get your butt in church. And, uh, and I'm glad we're all here. Um, but with that, we do need to get in church, right? We do need to surrender ourselves to the Lord. We do need to take mom's advice and threat or whatever it was. Um, or you're going to meet with the pastor or the youth pastor if you don't get yourself together, right? Um, but praise God for, for the wisdom of women, maybe not physical, you know, childbearing women, but certainly women who are spiritual mothers, as Adam alluded to, who have helped train up many people to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is extremely important. So just know that if you are not bearing children, if you are not having kids at this particular moment in time, just know that you can still, as Adam said, still nurture, lead, love on, and guide many people to the Lord. You can still extend hands of love and mercy and grace, and you can still also extend hands of discipline and uh, and instruction, right? And uh, do not do not spare the rod, right? Um, so if you could, let's open our Bible to First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four. <clears throat> First Peter chapter four. I'm going to read the first uh, twelve. No, sorry, first eleven verses. We're going to look at two things that Peter mentions that kind of mirrors the words of Jesus. So, if you remember, Jesus talked about being able to identify a person or a tree by what? Do you remember? How do you identify an apple tree? By the fruit that it bears, right? You go to Eckert's, you, you ride the hayride into the fields, and you start to pick what? Apples. All various kinds of apples. And you know it's an apple because of the fruit, right? And you know it's an apple tree bearing the apples. Well, Jesus said that we are, to able, we are able to know the type of person or the type of tree someone is by the fruit that they bear. What is the fruit that they bear? Well, not just the fruit of the Spirit that grows inside them, not just the fruit of the Spirit that becomes evidence of uh, the Spirit living within them and empowering them to become more and more like Christ, but also by their actions, by the way that we conduct ourselves. And that's what we've talked a lot about over the last few weeks and something that you'll probably hear me preach on for the rest of the time that I'm ever here is by the fruit that you bear. People should see evidence within your actions that you are a Christ follower. I said a few weeks ago, do not allow your conduct to contradict your claim of being a Christian. If you claim to be a Christian, your conduct should follow suit, right? So what happens is it will either confirm your claim or contradict your claim, your actions, your conduct. So Jesus says you're able to identify a tree by the fruit that it bears. You're able to identify a person as a Christ follower or not by their 
actions, by their fruit, by the way they conduct themselves, by the way that they speak, by the way that they think, by the way that they handle things, by the way that they overcome sin or continue to comfortably live in it. We're able to identify people by the fruit they bear. Jesus also said to let your light shine before others. So why? They may give glory to your Father in heaven. May your light shine. The light of Christ shines through your through you by what? By your actions, by the way you live, by the way that you speak, by the mercy and the grace that you extend, by the way that you discipline yourself when it comes not just to eating healthy all the time or exercising on a regular basis, but also to discipline yourself in the way that you do not fall to sin time after time after time and you grow spiritually strong to overcome. So you're able to identify a person by their actions. And then Jesus said, before he was arrested... In the Gospel of John, he was speaking with his disciples. These are just hours before his arrest and crucifixion. And he told his disciples that the world would be able to identify that they are his followers by one thing. Do you remember? By the way that they love one another. So they were able to be identified as his, as his people, not just by the fruit that they bear and the gospel they preached and the way they overcame sin and the way that they disciplined themselves and the way that they, you know, met the needs of people who were in need, not just, but they also were able to identify his followers as in the love that they showed one another. So if we go to first Peter chapter four, the Bible says this. <clears throat> Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead. If I were to ask who here was once spiritually dead, every single, ra- every single hand would be raised. But we praise God that even while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us, Even when we were so unworthy of hearing the gospel message of Jesus coming to pay our payment and to die for our sin, guess what? He allowed a preacher at one point in time in our lives to preach the gospel to us and then invite us into surrendering ourselves and, and truly coming into a relationship with him. That is the good news. That people like you and I are completely unworthy, undeserving of living in a holy relationship with a holy, righteous God who is ready to judge. It says he is ready to judge the living and the dead. Guess what? He invites us into an intimate, personal relationship to where you and I can be completely vulnerable with the Lord. We can be completely covered by his blood and without blemish before him. And we can be invited into an intimate relationship in which he knows me and I know him. Therefore, that is good news, that even when we were dead, someone preached to us. And then he goes on to say that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the same way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayer. So let me just read that verse again. This is 2,000 years ago. 
And the Apostle Peter says the end of all things is at hand. Do you know there is one thing that all Christians have been anticipating in common? And it is the return of the Lord. It's going to happen. He is going to come back. We do not know the day. We do not know the hour. Only arrogant fools predict it. Uh, but we do know for sure he said himself. And everything that he has said, I can trust in God because not only is my Savior, but he's a promise keeper. Therefore, he is going to come back. We do not know when. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's the most important question that you could probably ever answer in your life. Not do you till death do you part. No, no, no. Much more important than that. Are you ready to see him face to face? Are you ready for him to come? Are you ready for yourself to go and to see him? So we have, they were anticipating the return of Christ. Here we are 2,000 years later. We are 2,000 years closer to the return. We do not know when, but I promise you it will happen. The end of all things is at hand. He goes on to say, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So Peter says each of us have received a gift. What do we do with it? We use it to serve one another. And then he goes on to say, as good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything, what's it say? In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, I mentioned the words of Jesus. I read through the Apostle Peter's writing. And there are two things that I want to point out. And it, first is the way of our life. Second is our way of love. So first, our way of life. And then after that, our way of love. So, in our way of life, Peter says, at the very beginning here, he says, so as to live the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So the rest of our time, as we come to faith in Christ, as we, we are born again, and, and we come to faith and we live in relationship with Jesus, we are then to live the rest of our time in this flesh, not pursuing human passions, but for the will of God. He goes on to list a few things that the Gentiles were doing, and he says, for the time is past that suffices for doing what the Gentiles do. So what does Peter mean here? Because he goes on to say that we are to live for the will of God, but not for human passions. Does that mean that we can't be passionate about anything outside of church, Bible study, man up, life group? Certainly not. I can be passionate about going to work, making money. I can be passionate about raising my kids and loving my wife. I can be passionate about, you know, going to the gym or, or hitting bombs on a softball field. Like, we can be passionate about playing golf. We can be passionate about golfing. We can be passionate about sleeping. We can be passionate about shopping. We can be passionate about things. But the danger is when these things become our idol, when we begin to worship these things, what does it mean to worship something? Well, you exhaust your resources, your time, and your affections in pursuit of what thing? So if you worship something above the Lord, you are going to spend your time, your resources, and your energy and affection pursuing that one thing. 
So if that is a sport or if that is a person, you will truly spend all of your resources in pursuit of them. But what is dangerous is when we find ourselves still participating in the things that we are to distance ourselves from. So Peter goes on to write that we are to live the rest of our time not pursuing human passions, right? But for the will of God. And he actually lists us here things that you and I can truly see are the ways of the world, and we must distance ourselves from these things. So I'll just read them again. He says, the time is past that suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. The Gentiles here does not mean necessarily the Gentiles of the New Testament, because we go to preach to the Gentiles. God commanded the gospel to be preached to the Gentiles, but he is referring to people that are in opposition to him. He's referring to people that are walking by the wide gate who are rejecting the gospel and are not of his people. So he says this is what they do. They live in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. And he says, and then they are surprised when you do not participate with them. So here's what we have to understand. In order for us to truly be the lights of the world, in order for us to truly be the salts of the earth, in order for us to truly be representatives of Christ here on earth, we must be passionate about things that God is passionate about, and we must distance ourselves from things that the world is passionate about. And we must truly see that the world is actually surprised when we no longer engage in the things they engage in. So very quickly, you can look at this list, you can look at other lists throughout the New Testament, and you can see there are things that the world does and calls good and fun and joy, but are extremely dangerous to your soul. Do you engage in such things? If, do, if you do, I encourage you and I plead with you to repent of them and call upon the Lord to forgive you and to turn away from So are you living engaging in things that the world is passionate about? So our lack of participation in this sinfulness now may result in forms of persecution, rejection, mockery. However, we must understand that as Peter tells us, that all of us are going to give an account to God. And he's ready to judge He's ready to judge the living and the dead. All of us are going to give an account for God. And we also know that there may bring persecution. It may bring mockery. It may bring us being considered as outcasts. But guess what? One of these days, as we are judged, so will they. Those people that you wonder why in the world are they doing what they're doing, they will give an account to God. Therefore, distance yourself. And you and I should stand out... People should know the fruit that we bear. People should know the kind of tree we are, whether we are a Christ follower or not, by our actions and by the way of our life. It should be evident that you are His. It should be evident that you worship the Lord. Secondly, we see that Peter goes on to say, above all, he says what? Keep loving earnestly. So you and I are able to be identified as Christians, Christ followers, his disciples by our actions, right? By our fruit, by our way of life. Secondly, we are to be identified as his people as we live in in our way of love. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I'm going to use this very moment in time to just extend this 
to extend an apology, if I can. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What do we associate hospitality with? Opening our doors, inviting people in, having dinner, spending time together, barbecuing, bonfire, on the lake, whatever it may be. I will go ahead and extend an apology to all people that ever invite Michaela and I over because we will always, with 100% certainty, overstay our welcome. (laughs) We will. Uh, You'll be wondering, are you guys going home? Here's why. Two reasons. Most important, we truly love spending time with our church family. Second, we're both socially awkward when it comes to saying goodbye. We live in the Midwest. We start to say goodbye. 30 minutes later, we're still talking on the porch. And then 45 minutes later, I'm in the car and you're outside and we're still chatting. Okay, so I will give this, I will give you an apology now. If you invite us and we come over, we will overstay our welcome. And I'm okay with it. All right, just don't invite us back. But we will. Why? Because we enjoy spending time with you. We love being around our church family as often as we can because life is crazy. There's a lot of you all. Uh, we have her family and my family and our kids. There's a lot going on. So when we do get to spend time with people, we cherish it. And we want to make the most of it. And I hope you're okay with it. Please forgive us. Because you will be wondering, God, we can't do this but once every other year. But then, not only for us, but he says to show hospitality without grumbling. This is hard for me, I'll be honest with you. Because the house is in pristine condition when people come over, right? And then blankets get unfolded and they get put out of place and little kids start to run in with my little kids and all the toys that were put in, in place and organized are now all over the floor. And it's like a hurricane just, you know, kind of came through and and then people leave and then I get to look at all this and and I have to do without what? Grumbling. So here's what I want to encourage you. As you truly want to be identified as his people by just not your actions, by just not the fruit that you bear, but by the love that you extend to one another. So whenever you show hospitality, when you open yourself up to people, when you invite people in, just know that you are to do it without grumbling. You are to do it because you truly care for love and are invested in those people. Far more above the preparation, far above the mess that they may bring or the kids and the chaos that may come or the noise that may be provided. You are to truly show hospitality to one another and to keep loving one another earnestly because why? Love covers a multitude of sins. I mean, we are to love one another. People should see the love that you and I possess. If we are to truly be His people, we should live counterculturally and culture is filled with hate. We shouldn't contribute to the evil and the hatred plaguing the world. We should be standing out and people should identify us as a tree of the Lord because of the love that we have for one another. Because the time that we take to set aside to answer a phone call or to go and to visit or to invite over. And you and I, above all, are to love one another. And we are to show hospitality without grumbling. And then... As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So here's the thing. All of us have been gifted by God in numerous ways, various forms. What do we do with it? We use our gifts to serve one another. We use our gifts to glorify God so that in all things, Peter says, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
So our faith isn't just seen in the actions and the way I do not sin or do not engage in these passions of the flesh or these human passions. My faith is also seen in the mercy and the grace and the love that I extend to other broken people. Because guess what? I need your love, mercy, and grace. I need it. My wife needs it. We are imperfect people. You are imperfect. So as I extend mercy and grace and love to you, guess what? We need it in return. Neither of us are perfect. And we, we extend love to one another as you all extend love to one another. So our faith is also evident in the way that we love one another. So you may be asking, well, how do I show love? You know, some people it's hard to love. Some people are difficult to love. I get it. Let me just read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'll end with this. Because if you want to know how you can truly show love to one another, you read 1 Corinthians 13. I just preached it yesterday at a wedding, and it's read at every single wedding, right? It's, it's the love chapter. But what you see is whenever love is defined, love is actually defined as characteristics that you and I can choose to do. So let's read 1 Corinthians 13, and this is what we will see. If you want to truly embody loving one another, this is what you must be. And if your spouse suffers with these, just nudge them on each one. Don't make a note of it and work on it, okay? So some of you need to start digging it in. All right, love is patient. Should we go on? (laughs) So the embodiment of love is patient. Whenever I read these, when I say love, you should be able to insert your name and then Grade. We do great on a curve here. Alright? Because I know you all are failing, as I am. So we're just going to grade on the curve. Love is patient and always kind. Mm. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Unless you hit four home runs in a softball game. Um, love is not arrogant. <laughs> um... Unless you know how to give classes on dishwashing and folding laundry. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. (laughs) That is before coffee too. Alright, that is before coffee. That is before 8.30. Love is not resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Paul ends that chapter by saying this. Faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. These are the characteristics of love, which means these ought to be the characteristic and personality traits that we see in us. If we want to be identified as his people, we must identify with his ways. So in order for you and I to truly experience the fullness of this life and to demonstrate to the world and to be his witness, we must also see in the way of our living and in the way of our loving the love of God and the mercy and the grace that he has bestowed upon us. Let us pray.